You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We've got the whole crew together as we cover Ohio State with our instant analysis from Ohio State. There's something that doesn't feel right. Unbelievable effort from him today. Is EJ Liddell going to crack the first team all Big Ten? I think he can be the guy. I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy. He seems to have the durability. He certainly has the toughness. This is the question on a lot of people's minds here. Welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Buckeye Breakdown on Wednesday of week two of the uh, college football season. Ohio State and Arkansas State a few days away with the Buckeyes 1-0 on the season after a, a big win over the Notre Dame Fighting Irish last weekend. I'm Brendan Gulick along with Craig Heisen. You can follow all of our content as we stream most of our uh, podcasts live as we are this morning over on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe there. Hit the notification bell so that you can follow along with us when we go live. You can also find it after the fact either on YouTube or wherever you like to get your favorite podcasts. And BuckeyesNow.com is your home for all things Ohio State football. Craig, good morning. How are you? Doing great. Brennan, good morning. Uh, congrats to uh, Tommy Eichenberg. Yeah, breaking the, uh, Just a couple minutes ago, being named National Defensive Player of the Week. So congrats to him. He, uh, he had a great game week one. Uh, nine tackles, three tackles for loss, two sacks and was just named the uh, Bronco Nagurski National Defensive Player of the Week for the first time in his career. I hope it's a sign of things to come. Tommy certainly was one of the bright stars on that defense, and uh, I don't think there's any sliver of a doubt that when Ohio State wants its best group out there, he is not just a part of that. He is one of the leaders of that defensive unit, uh, and he certainly proved it. Uh, I was most impressed, actually, with Tommy. You know, I, I've talked a little bit about how I thought he was more of a – maybe between the tackles kind of linebacker where, you know, on inside zone reads, he could really fill a hole nicely. Um, I think he's gotten faster in the off season and we saw him chase down, you know, to the boundary a couple times, either a running back or quarterback this past weekend. Um, that to me, that was the part of his game that I was most impressed by because I just feel like I hadn't seen enough of that from him. So great, uh, great defensive growth there. He certainly looked faster Saturday night, and I'm sure on top of all the off-season training, just the confidence and knowing that he can do it from the Rose Bowl game, uh, contrary to what happened in the Tulsa game, just even helps even more. Um, just knowing where to be, what to do, what he's seeing. Um, sounds like he's really taking on Jim Knowles' defense uh, and really understanding all the concepts they're trying to run down and – he played fantastic Saturday night. Yeah, I can't wait to see him again back out there on uh, on Saturday. Okay, um, Andrew and I had a chance yesterday to, to react to what we heard, but uh, I want to get your opinion on um, what Coach Day and, and C.J. Stroud in particular said, and then if anything, the Perry Eliano stood out to you as well. Um, finally got a chance to, to hear from the guys. I said last night that there was a levity around that facility, there was certainly relief, and Ryan Day stressed that it was more relief than joy uh, because they're one and zero. How did you uh, how did you interpret what you heard? The relief on his face, and it, Coach Day was pretty funny yesterday when 
I uh, forget who asked if he thought playing a opponent like Notre Dame week one was a good idea. Just <laughs> his reaction was, was priceless saying yeah. on Friday, absolutely not terrible idea, but Sunday waking up, he said it was a fantastic idea. So that I got a kick out of that answer. Um, Stroud was more candid. I thought than in interviews in the past, I don't know if he's feeling that same relief after a big win, but I also got a lot of chuckles out of, uh, of what he had to say, calling uh, the first game jitters. You always have those unless you're playing complete bumps. So that was that was the line of the day yesterday. Yeah, that was great. He's like, you know, the first game's always tough unless you're playing like total bums. Everybody's mm-hmm. like, okay, right. <laughs> Notre, Dame, right. Notre Dame wasn't a bunch of bums. So I guess that exactly. you know, made for a tough game. <laughs> so one thing Coach Day talked about, which um, co- uh, coaches I had in the past, uh, have also said similar things along the line. So I was having flashbacks, but the competitive stamina and the competitive um, excellence that Coach Day expects of this team, whether they're playing Notre Dame or Michigan or whether they're playing Arkansas State, you can't so much get caught up in who you're playing because you have to prepare the same way. And, And he mentioned it yesterday. The second you don't prepare the same way or don't get up for a game is the second you might not slip up Saturday, but you definitely take a step back and don't perform like you're supposed to. So almost playing a faceless opponent, not worried about who you're playing, but more worried about what you're doing, how you're preparing. And and he hit on the great teams. Uh, you can't tell a difference week to week uh, when you walk in the room, if they're playing a, a big primetime game or a, a noon kick against a, a team that had one of the worst defenses in college football. So, not we'll, we'll see Saturday. It's going to be with it being the second game of the season. I don't anticipate uh, Ohio State coming out flat by any means or you're still excited. The season's here, so they could. Have been, sure. It's a noon kick. Obviously, the atmosphere in the stadium is probably uh, not going to be what it was Saturday night. But uh, Saturday will tell us a lot. and We'll see how Coach Day reacts after the game. To, I'm sure he'll talk about the preparation if they don't. Don't put it on them like on Arkansas State like they're supposed to. I'm sure he'll talk about maybe hit on, hey, I wasn't wasn't happy with the preparation or something was a little bit different than the Notre Dame week. Um, those are what we're gonna keys we're gonna look uh, look at Saturday. So uh, right now, Ohio State is favored by a little over six touchdowns. Depends on which sports book uh, you you check um, through Sports Illustrated and Fan Nation. We use SI Sportsbook, and right now it's 43 and a half. Um, but, you know, again, I've seen it as high as 45. Either way, it's, you know, it's basically a six-touchdown game. And, by the way, I did see that single-game tickets are still on sale. You can get, like, a $30 ticket in the upper deck if you're interested in going Saturday afternoon. So uh, it's it's not expected, or at least at this point, it's not sold out. Um, no, I, I thought that was a really good point that Coach Day said, look, you know, we, we need to stay locked in and be us because what they did by winning week one – was give themselves the chance to exhale and settle into the rhythm of the season that they know they can have. Where last year, you win a first conference game, all is good, and no offense to Minnesota, but everybody was looking at the Oregon game early in the year saying, that's the one, I want to see how how the Buckeyes stack up against somebody. And when they lost, it put this, this black cloud, this level of stress over the team and the facility and the expectations of the season you know, that much more for the rest of the year because you literally couldn't lose. 
knowing that if you won out, you probably were still going to, you know, make the college football playoff because by winning out, you'd win the big 10 title. Um, but you know, nothing's ever guaranteed. So with a win in week one over a quality opponent, the Buckeyes, to me, it's, it's, Hey, this is awesome. We beat Notre Dame and, and life is good, but now everything that, you know, as a team, you sit there and think everything that we've worked on for the last eight, nine months, whatever it is to, to finally have that reward pay off with a victory. Now it's okay. Let's, let's settle in. And to your point, Hey, the season's still young. There's, there's an excitement for playing for the most part. This team is really healthy. Guys aren't feeling the, you know, the banged up kind of injuries that you get in like late October, early November when the season's grinding on you. Uh, And on top of that, I mean, look, I, I know the stress is going to be on preparing the right way, but you are playing an opponent that you're not going to lose to. You, you just got to you gotta be relaxed enough to go execute what you want to execute, but recognize that there is a gap in talent. Um, and, and you hope that Ohio State has this killer instinct where they want to go put that game away, you know, by the point spread at halftime, not win by 45 points, but be up something like that, 45 nothing at the break. Um, and, and Craig, you know, I, I talked a little bit about this yesterday when we did our, uh, sort of our look into Arkansas state, they've got a couple of skill position players that are not bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're going to struggle at the line of scrimmage. I think their offensive linemen are very large, but don't move very well. And I think Ohio state has a far superior combination of size and speed, uh, especially, especially in the interior. Uh, I think Mike Hall is going to have a big game. I think Teron Vincent's going to have a really big game, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing you know which which additional defensive players get on the field and and can perform at a high level. So why don't we turn the conversation that direction here? Um, you know you, you you're trying to find that sweet spot of building your roster depth, but also giving you know meaningful reps to your your first team guys because you got to use these games to get in a rhythm. You want the offense to look like what you think it can be when you get to Wisconsin, more so than the occasional clunkiness we saw uh, in week one. So I, you're not going to see any starters pulled before halftime. I, I can pretty much guarantee that. But when we get to the second half or maybe maybe even just the fourth quarter, wouldn't surprise me if C.J. Stroud is still out there at the beginning of the third quarter. Um but when we get to you know later port you know portions of the game, who are you looking forward to watching this weekend? You hit it too there, Brandon. I w- I want to see, like you said, I don't think any gets anybody gets pulled before half. But um, ideally, in a perfect world, CJ Stroud's done at halftime. Uh, we see Kyle McCord for the whole whole second half, and maybe even Devin Brown um, down the stretch a little bit in the fourth quarter. But because as we know far too well. Um, especially in the 2014 season. I mean, you're one play away from, from Kyle McCord taking over. I mean, you never know when injuries are going to hit. Hopefully they don't. Um, but but Kyle needs those reps um, too, and this is a perfect game this week to, to get those. Um, but, yeah, you, you just got to kind of get rid of the clunkiness a little bit that we saw uh, last weekend. Um, I think they will, given the uh, opponent. But they need those reps. So 
with Jackson Smith and Jigba, sounds like he probably won't go uh, from what we've been hearing. Um, hopefully Julian Fleming's able to get on the field, get him into the mix, get him uh, acclimated with uh, the flow of this offense this season. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, would love to see uh, Cam Martinez uh, get a little bit more run this game and also um, get a bigger role in special teams. I know in practice he's been working at it, um, if Emeka is going to be a key, and this is just me speaking uh, as a fan, is, is Emeka plays a bigger role in this offense. I would prefer to see Cam Martinez take over punt and kick returns just to keep Emeka fresh for offense, um, especially if Cam is not going to get the snap count um, that he may be expecting on, on defense yet. I, I think by the end of the season, he's in the rotation a little bit more. He's just too good. Um, so it'd be nice to see him get on the field, return to kicks and punts because he, he did it in high school. Um, and I think he'd be superb at it, uh, here. Yeah. I mean, he's, he is certainly one of the more athletic guys on the team, let alone just the, you know, the defensive back group. Um, and yeah, there were times where, you know, Emeka didn't look great returning punts. He was fine, but he made a few, a few catches that were, eye-opening but maybe not like okay that's how you should do that <laughs> um <laughs> there was a couple going back that i was holding my yeah it was more was like, like a center uh, fielder maybe just let that go yeah, yeah i mean he was more like a center fielder going back in the ball again he's mm -hmm. he's really athletic so I, I appreciate and enjoy watching him make great plays there are moments where you you open yourself up to being a little more susceptible to big plays uh, that, that can swing the game the other direction if you don't feel those cleanly. I'm not trying to suggest that a Mecca should never return a punt or a kick again. I like the ball in his hands. But to your point, when you've got other guys that you can try to get some reps to that are equally as good, um, or maybe the coaching staff doesn't see Cam Martinez as equally as good. I'm not sure. Um, we'll, we'll find out. But I, I, I like where your head's at there. I would like to see him on the field more. Um, you know, I, what I about no you? What how, guys are you looking forward yeah, to? Yeah, I'm just going to say, I don't know how close he is to playing. Um, he, he didn't get on the field this weekend, but I know a guy that you like. I'd love to see Caden Curry play this weekend. I want to see what he's capable of. Um, I really hope we get a chance to see Dallin Hayden. Uh, you know, at some point with Dallin Hayden being, you know, right now the rock-solid number three running back, I would think we're going to get to a point in the game somewhere where it's just not worth it to have Travion and, and Mayan in the game anymore. And Ryan Day has raved about what he's seen from, from Dallin Hayden. So, you know, get him some valuable game reps and, and um, let's see what he's got. I want to see what the rest of the offensive line depth looks like. You know, we kind of know that uh, Enoch Vamahi and, and Josh Fryer seem to be the first two linemen, uh, you know, in when there is a problem and, you know, it was it was noted yesterday that Luke Whipler left the game with a boot. Ryan Day seemed to indicate it wasn't a big deal, and sometimes you just get a little banged up or whatever. It, you know, I don't know if he's not going to play this weekend. It didn't seem like the conversation was going that way. But he was asked about, hey, if if Luke can't play center, essentially, how do you shift the line? And and he sort of acknowledged that there's two options. One of them is to put Jacob in at, at center or to move Matthew Jones from guard to center and then put Enoch in at, uh, at right guard. Um, you know, beyond those guys though, are, are there other offensive linemen that they think could be game ready? 
you know, Zen Mahalski or Ben Chrisman, are, are those guys next up? Um, I don't know that we'll see them for sure, but I would hope that if the game gets out of hand late, that maybe we get a look at what that room could look like. You know, certainly feels like Cade Stover is, is the locked in number one tight end in this group. And we did see a little bit of Mitch Rossi this past weekend, um, but didn't see G Scott or Joe Royer in any meaningful situations. So, you know, maybe those guys get some reps at tight end. I'm, you know, I, I'm not sure if the game will dictate that or not. Uh, I think Ohio State showcased some interesting formations this week when they put Stover out wide and then sometimes motioned him in, but sometimes left him out there. Um, do they want to go to like 12 personnel or are they going to stay in 11? Um, for those that yeah, don't know. That's something Coach Day taught. Sorry, go ahead, Brandon. I just say just for those that aren't, you know, football junkies, uh, 11 personnel, 12 personnel means – one one running back, one tight end, or one running back, two tight ends. Um, it, it's a reflection of who you've got on the field. You know, I, I haven't seen Ohio State in a ton of 12 personnel this first game. I, I didn't think they ran Mitch Rossi out there a bunch off the top of my head, but Stover was in on basically every play. There was not a whole lot of, you know, uh, four receiver and running back looks. Uh, that that we saw out there, and I guess what would technically be ten personnel. Yeah, Coach Day joked a little bit yesterday. He had the jumbo sets ready at the goal line with Kate and Mitch, and said Jim Coach Trestle would get a kick out of that. But um, I think they turned to that on the goal line, bringing Mitch in almost like a a fullback. Um, I think we will see that down on the goal line at points this year. Um, probably not Saturday, but. And day yesterday, uh, he, he made a comment about, you know, we knew Coach Trussell was in the house and thought that maybe the win was a bit of an homage to the championship team from 20 years ago. He goes, we we had plays for a fullback. We just didn't get to him. Uh, you know, there, there <laughs> Those was are words I never there. thought I'd hear come out of Coach Day's mouth <laughs> when he took over years ago. There, there was some uh, there was some serious Trestle ball with, you know, the punt from like the 40 yard mm -hmm. line or whatever. Uh, that that had to have Jim Trussell smiling for sure, uh, and you know what? It worked. They they won the game, and field position was an important part. Uh, with Notre Dame starting often so deep in their own territory, it's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Okay, so that's kind of a reaction to yesterday and a little bit of what we want to see this week, but uh, a couple of other things. Uh, first of all, the... The AP and the coaches polls came out yesterday. And again, you hear this every year in the grand scheme of things. Do we really care? Because the college football playoff era essentially has taken the polls and made them irrelevant. They're just fun and they're for fans. 
So let's have fun with it. Okay. It doesn't matter that Ohio State is ranked number three. That said, the Buckeyes beat a top five team in the country who has legitimate college football playoff aspirations coming into the year. And if they run the table the rest of the way, which is possible, they're going to be right there in that conversation. But the Buckeyes fell back from two to three because Georgia looked so good against Oregon, who was, you know, the number 11 team, but Georgia was so overwhelmingly impressive that all of the AP voters, uh, well, I shouldn't say all because I did look at the breakdown of of the 63 voters. Um, I think the Reddit college football Twitter account put out a grid. So you could see who voted and how they voted. Every single one of the 63 voters had Ohio State in a favorable spot, okay? 62 of the 63 voters had them in the top three. There were only two that said the Buckeyes should be number one this week. There was one guy that caught my attention. (laughs) My guy, Stephen Hargis from Chattanooga, uh, he said his top five in order was Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, Oklahoma, Ohio State. I'm not sure I'm done with that. That's Stephen okay. might have been Stephen might have been out to dinner Saturday night if that's his uh, <laughs> his rankings. No, no disrespect to Stephen, but uh, uh, hey, maybe he's an evil genius and he knows what we don't, or uh, or we're going to go back at the end of the year and say, what was this guy thinking? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just gut reaction, and as a fan here, I could care less about the rankings. Um, I think. It actually, they'll never do this because it just creates buzz around the sport, but it may create more buzz in the end now that I think about it. Don't release anything till conference play starts. I know the Big Ten's gone to, there's a couple of conference games scattered throughout the beginning of the season now, but um, maybe release like the first rankings like college football playoff. Maybe just do the first AP poll in like week five or week four. Not a bad and idea. Just to kind of get a get so much changes from year to year in college football that it's it's hard to say. I'm, I, can't stand preseason rankings. Yeah, I mean, honestly. Florida Florida um, was unranked, and they beat Utah, and they jumped to, like, 12. You know, I'm not saying they're not worthy of that kind of a jump, but, like, that's the fluctuation that you get mm-hmm. early in the year. You know, it, it, you're, you're ranking teams based on what you think they've got. Yeah. Some of it is like the subconscious, okay, I know this team's good because they're always good or, or they were recently good, so that I'm sure they're good. So they should be slotted in somewhere. Um, and Florida's quarterback, Richardson, he goes from, I mean, a little bit talked about for Heisman, but one game instantly vaults up and his odds now to win the Heisman are right on par with Jackson Smith and Jigba. So it just so much changes year to year. I think it'd be cool for the sport to not have any rankings. Um, just the first couple of weeks, see where teams come in at and then, then let's do something and, and create a buzz about it. But, this is I'm seeing awesome. some. I'm seeing some comments this come in. That awesome. one Stu comes in and says, "In a small world, Stephen Hargis is my best friend's boss. He's a sports writer for Chattanooga Times. I, I I did know he wrote in Chattanooga, and he's one of the 63 voters on the AP poll. Well, Sue, if you can get word to him that uh, Ohio State fans would like to see uh, would like to see him show his work. How about that? Or <laughs> <laughs> when you're Stu, like sixth yeah, grade, you work, and your teacher's like." I want to see how you got to that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's what we want. To, that's what we want to hear from Stephen. Uh, look, yeah. he's entitled to his opinion, and if he thinks Ohio State's number five, that's fine. I'm not trying to rag on him. I just want to understand why he thinks that way. Um, right. Is it just because Ohio State only scored 21 points against a top five team in the country who they held 10 points 
in the most anticipated game maybe ever in program history, you know, that might be a little bit of a stretch, but come on. Um, and I don't, I don't know. This, this probably isn't the show to, to get into this, but you always hear the, the SEC bias, especially on ESPN, obviously, given the TV deal that they have with them now. Um, I thought the overall reaction nationally to Ohio State's win was pretty, pretty positive. I think people were happy to see how they won that game, um, given the getting off the field on defense, something they really couldn't do last year. And just kind of the grittiness of that win um, nationally, I, I, all the response I saw other than Colin Coward was pretty positive about Ohio State and the way they won that game. Um, yeah. Well, I think everybody wanted to see, you know, look, the question here isn't about the offense, it's about the defense. And, they, I mean, they had a really, really good defensive performance. So I think everybody's sort of assuming that the Heisman favorite is still really good and he and the offense are going to get it going. They played a top 10 team, top five team in the country. And as Ryan Day pointed out, it was the fourth consecutive game in the program in which they've played a top 10 team going back to Michigan state last year. Um, so it's week one, you played a good opponent. You might not score 45 points uh, and Notre Dame's good. So give them some credit for, for making life a little frustrating for the Buckeyes. But back back to your original comment, Georgia hopping Ohio State. I mean, they they play phenomenal against oh, Oregon. Good. So, I mean, to, to you're in a tough spot. They they blew out Oregon was what eleven. They they just blew them out of the water. So to move them up, it is what it is. I, it's just hard to say at this point in the season. We'll see how it plays out. We'll see how good Oregon's going to be. That might be. Uh, Thinking back to last year, it might be a Georgia Clemson situation, though, where Clemson. Well, and, I mean, here's how here's how I can kind of see this all shaking out. You know, the reality is Ohio State should be undefeated going into the final weekend of the regular season. It's it's not impossible that they lose, but I would think there's a pretty good chance that the Buckeyes are going to be undefeated when they go, you know, go into that final game of the year and they play Michigan. I have a hard time seeing Alabama losing a game, but I suppose it is possible that Alabama could lose. Um, and I'm looking at Alabama's schedule right now just to verify who they're playing. So Alabama is obviously it's Texas this week. Their SEC games include Vanderbilt, Arkansas, who's good and played them well last mm -hmm. year, but I still think Bama's better. They play Texas A&M on October 8th. They play Tennessee on Ohio State's bye week, October 15th. And their, their remaining games in the SEC are Mississippi State, LSU, Ole Miss, and Auburn. And they've got one other game sandwiched at the end of the schedule there with Austin P. So they don't play Georgia in the regular season. So Alabama and Georgia probably look like the kinds of teams that could be undefeated going to the SEC title game. And with as soft a schedule as Michigan has, I would think there's a very good chance that they're going to be undefeated coming to Columbus if they can get past Michigan State as well. Uh, and, and, you know, now, now all of a sudden you're looking at those four teams and feeling like the winner of those games is going to be in great position. The loser of those games is going to have the quote unquote best loss or, or among the best losses in the field. And they're going to have a really good chance to still get in the playoff, uh, which I think is probably why they've expanded the playoff finally anyways, because I'm not trying to like speed up the rest of the season and make it irrelevant but there's not a lot of parity in college football and there hasn't been for a while. So it's, it's just, uh, it's time that they expanded the playoff and I'm glad that 
it finally happened, even though it felt more like a Friday news dump than it did an actual right. like, hey, guys, we're going to add teams to the playoff that you've been asking for forever. <laughs> right, to dump that Friday afternoon going into arguably week one of, of college football. Um, everybody's starting. It was was interesting timing. Um, it pretty much guarantees that Alabama and Ohio State are going to be in the playoff. I mean, they, they wouldn't be missing 12-team playoffs. No. So – does it is it good for the sport and where it draws more eyes and you have the, the more playoffs and ratings and all that? Sure. Are the games necessarily going to be good? I personally don't think so. I think they'll be even worse. It's been since 2014. I can't really think of a time and correct me if I'm wrong, where both playoff games have been outstanding. Usually one's pretty good and one's a blowout. Yeah, so I mean, to go to twelve teams is going to be. I I I generally agree, and we can have a, a podcast that's that's built around CFP expansion. But um, I think the argument there is that by taking the long view, you're right. Maybe in the short term, there haven't been you know a bunch of elite games, but if you create more opportunities for more teams to make the playoff, mm-hmm. and you know people are going to watch the games it's going to boost recruiting at the schools, not the Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and and Clemson's the world that are already bringing in the best kids. It's going to make Arkansas a lot better. It's going to make Utah better. You know, it's, it's going to make some of those schools that are like tier three, tier four, where you're getting some good kids, but not a bunch of, it's going to make Iowa better. Like, Iowa last year, if they wouldn't have gotten their doors blown off in the Big Ten championship game, if they would have put up a fight against Michigan, they belonged in the playoff. They've been in the playoff, yeah. Right? Like it's going to make those schools be able to recruit better kids because they're going to be able to convince kids, hey, we're there. We we are we are right there, and you're going to get a shot. And and maybe we got to play Alabama, or maybe we got to play the Buckeyes in the first game of the playoff, but we're in. And, and if you're in, you got a chance. Um, so I, I think that's the, the long-term view of it, which I'm, I'm down with. Yep. I see. I definitely see that side of it too. And I, I agree at that point, it's going to take some years for that to come to fruition though, for those games, those first round games to be uh, super competitive. I think the first couple of years, it's going to be what we saw at Georgia and Oregon Saturday. Yep. Just, Absolute beatdowns of those first yeah, round games, but I agree. Yeah, I think over time, I think it's, I think it eventually pans out where it does work with recruiting because that's going to, just like you said, that's going to be the pitch. Hey, you come here, we're we're on the edge of the playoff. Now that it's twelve teams, we're going to be in there. That's going to turn into the recruiting pitch for those second tier teams, like you said. Do you want to get to Sue's question? There? Yeah, let's answer Sue's question here yeah. real quick. Uh, she says, "I know it's a sample small sample size that's small." Having watched one game, have your opinions changed about who is the biggest threat to beat Ohio State? Uh, my opinions haven't changed. My opinion coming into the season was that the uh, last game of the regular season is going to be the one that gets all the attention and for good reason. You know, I haven't seen enough of Michigan to know what I think about them quite yet, but I, I think Michigan's offensive line is very good. I know they haven't really figured out what they're doing at quarterback yet between Cade McNamara and and J.J. McCarthy, uh, but they're both good quarterbacks, and J.J.'s the future. Um, 
I need to see a little bit more from their wide receiver group, but I, I think they looked okay in week one. Um, hard to know for sure. I, I haven't, I didn't watch their game start to finish to kind of get a feel for their defense, but I don't think their defense is supposed to be as good this year as it was last year, or at least they haven't proven that because the guys that are coming in are, are unproven guys. So we'll see, but to me, that's the that's the one team I'm looking at on the schedule. I mean, I think Michigan State reloaded with a bunch of transfers again, and they're going to be good. Penn State's gritty, but I don't think Penn State is good enough to beat Ohio State. Uh, and obviously, the Michigan State and, and Penn State games are the two big road tests. Nobody else on the schedule is particularly threatening to me, and Ohio State's going to be a double-digit favorite in every game they play. So, you know, I, I – the way I see it, Sue, it's going to come down largely now that you're past week one where you played a really good team. I, you know, I'm not trying to, again, I'm not trying to like race to November 26th or 27th or 28th, whatever it is. Um, that That's that's the game for me. Nothing I've seen changes my opinion either. Same thing. It's, it's Michigan. The thing with Michigan, though, is we might not see what they have maybe arguably till the Michigan State game. I mean – I, they seem to struggle with Iowa when they play them on the road. Um, so we might we might see what they have there, but they're out of conference slate. Colorado State, Hawaii, UConn. I mean, we're not going to tell. We're not going to be able to tell what Michigan truly has until the Iowa game, most likely. So um, definitely, we'll see what they look like against Michigan State. Um, but yeah, it's it's Michigan uh, to me. After watching most of the Penn State game. They're fine. Week and one reaction. They're good, but yeah. it's not. If it was on the road, it might be that freaky whiteout game. But yeah, so it's, it's well, and, and so you know, Ohio State's not playing. Uh, when we play at Penn State this year, that's yeah. not Penn Sorry, State. It's, it's at, yeah, it's not the whiteout game this year. But doing that, who they playing? Still, uh, I don't remember, but it's it, it's still a tough environment, right? Right. I mean, you know, when Ohio State comes to town and you've got a good crowd on hand, they're going to make it a tough environment. They couldn't win that whiteout game anymore against the Buckeyes, so they had to change it. <laughs> um, you know, I, you mentioned Iowa and Michigan, and we'll wrap this part of the conversation on yep. this thought here. I, you know, Iowa's offense looked non-existent last week. I don't know how you win a game seven to three without scoring a touchdown. They kicked a field goal and had two safeties. I mean, they continue to have a really, really good defense, and they've got good special teams. And I don't know what the obsession is with Spencer Petras or if they just don't have anybody else. But Iowa could beat a lot of teams based on the fact that it's really hard to score against them. Uh, but they're not going to beat elite teams because college football is an offensive game, and if you can't move the ball, you, you're not going to win. So I, I'll be interested to see how Michigan's offense competes against that Iowa defense. That that should be fun to watch. Um, all right, let's wrap on this. Just something kind of fun. Did, <laughs> did you see Ed Orgeron yesterday? Uh, I did see the Ed Orgeron clip. <laughs> I'm sorry, the connection <laughs> cut out for a second. I did see that. What a line! <laughs> I mean, him. if you what haven't watched you it, me to go out. <laughs> yeah, he, if you haven't watched it, you know I. I can't do an Ed Orgeron impression, but you know, his, his voice is unmistakable. Uh, and it seems like the only guy that can do it is Joey Molinaro. If it's not Ed. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so, you know, essentially when, <laughs> when, 
when things weren't going well, you know, he got called into his office and and they said, hey, hey look, coach, things aren't going well here. It's like, well, no kidding. Uh, and and they said, you know, you've got $17.1 million left on your contract and, and we intend to give that to you. And his response was, <laughs> his response was, what door do you want me to go out and what time do you want me to leave? <laughs> He probably already had part of his bags packed when he had that meeting, but oh. just, it's, it looked like it was a, a fundraising event dinner yeah. that he was at. And just an all-time line there. Oh, my God, was that funny. So good. So good. So, good. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, it gave me quite a laugh. It's very easy to find on uh, on social media if you want to have, uh, have a good chuckle over that. So. All right. Well, that'll wrap up our conversation this morning. Certainly looking forward to this week. And uh, we're going to have a conversation with Josh, uh, the Ohio, former Ohio State linebacker and now current Big Ten Network analyst, Joshua Perry, uh, who is uh, on the call this week for the first time. He's got an Ohio State game on his schedule. We're going to check in with him, and I think we'll have that for you uh, on Friday morning. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we're going to try to give you a little uh, recruiting podcast as well here this week to let you know what was going on this past weekend and sort of what the latest is on the recruiting trail for the Buckeyes. So keep your eyes open for that as well. Ohio State, Arkansas State coming up noon on Saturday. Again, single single game tickets still on sale. I saw them for as, uh, as little as 30 bucks in the upper deck. So if you're looking for a, a cheap ticket on Saturday, you'll, you should be able to find it if you get, uh, get on that soon. For Craig Heisen, I'm Brendan Gulick. Thanks for listening to Buckeye Breakdown. As always, please follow our work at BuckeyesNow.com. We're part of the Sports Illustrated Fan Nation Network. And uh, you can follow us on social media as well, Buckeyes Now SI. And, of course, on our YouTube channel, we certainly appreciate the support here. If you'd subscribe to the channel and hit that notification bell so you know when we're live, we can address your questions along the way, too, like we did today. Have a great rest of the day, everybody. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.